unless you have some type of a personal connection with the people you work with, negative feedback can be very hard to give because they will think that it is subjective and oftentimes it's sort of the default reaction. You know, when you don't have a connection, you, you do not necessarily take it well. So having that personal connection, establishing trust so that the other person know that what you're saying, it's not, you know, because you have nothing better to do, it's because you want to help them, you want to help the company. I think that's very important. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad you're here. Hey, while you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask the usual three favors, please. One, please subscribe to the show. It really helps the show. It makes me feel good, so that's important. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And number three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Vasily Malashev with me. Vasily, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Hey, Eric. Thank you very much for having me. So who am I? So today, my most important thing is that I'm the CEO and founder of Intelgus, which is an employee well-being, recognition, and performance management software. But really, I've been in the software industry, in software entrepreneurship startups for the last almost 15 years, really. So in the last 15 years, I've started three companies. My first company, it was unofficially started around 2009, but later officially 2011. Why I say unofficially is that when I, when I started my first business, I just created an app for education. Back then, it was mainly for a law school admission test. I was starting to become a lawyer, being having big dreams to do big legal battles and stuff like that. So I've, I've just created a uh, an app for a law school admission test, LSAT. And it was unofficial because I didn't really form any company for the first year or two of this whole sort of business, quote unquote, in existence. But anyway, that was the first company. It later ended up creating multiple educational apps for GMAT, GRE, SAT, TOEFL, just lots and lots of different exams. Then this company merged into the second company, which was uh, MassApps. It was a software development agency. And this company, it was really my life for almost a decade. So it was a software development agency and different people came to us. They told us what they want and we basically built it for them. And there were a few cool things about that specific part of my life. Number one, just the industry itself. You know, we, we, what we used to say is that we didn't just build software, we built dreams because we had a lot of people who just came up with an idea. They didn't know how to build it. They would come to us and we would essentially make their dream come true. Number two, what was really unique about this company is that it started as a um, semi-remote company. We had main office in New York and then lots of developers, designers across the world. And then luckily in January of 2020, a couple of months before COVID struck, I've decided to end the lease on our office just thinking that, you know, remote work just made sense for me. I would work from home or from different locations. Everybody else can work from wherever. And then I was super lucky because two months later, office was closed for at least, I think, six months or even more. And then some other cool parts just about this part of my life, which was a big part, is that through this experience, I was able to do, I think, two really unique things. 
Number one, I had a partnership with NYU, New York University Stern School of Business, where I taught, I had a partnership that created an essentially incubator or contest for the best step idea. And I would teach students, you know, everything from how to design a soft piece of software, how to develop, how to market, promote it, all of this. And then the second part is that I was also invited to speak at the United Nations about my immigrant entrepreneurship experience. So this chapter of my life, which ended only last year in 2022, the company got acquired. This was a really big chapter of my life. And then as I was working on that, I was managing, you know, uh, we had around 30 people when I sold the company, 25, 30 people, and all of them were remote and managing your team and actually being able to help them was the topic that I had on my mind all the time because I am not a developer by trade, but I had to manage a lot of developers, designers. So managing everybody when they're in the office is hot enough. Managing when people, when they are all across the world is even harder. And this, this problem led me to thinking about starting Intelligus, which again, does exactly that. It helps managers understand their team and helps managers understand how to give feedback that hopefully will help their team grow. And at the same time, it, it does help the employee as well. It prevents their, tries to prevent their burnout, tries to recognize them and automatically reward them for doing that steady work. And then also just being, uh, giving general suggestions about what can they do to perform better at their job. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. Tell us about talking at the United Nations, because I don't know anybody who speaks to the United <laughs> Nations. What, what was that like? It was really an incredible experience. Funnily enough, this was not the first time I got the United Nations, because completely unrelated to this, but back when I was in college, I used to do an internship at the United Nations. And it was such an such a interesting thing, because I remember United Nations, it has two entrances, one sort of the tourist entrance and another entrance for the employees and staff. And I remember when I was doing the internship, I would always go, go through the tourist entrance, honestly, just to show off. I, feel, I felt so great because I had that United Nations badge on my, on my chest. It felt so good. I would always take the tourist, uh, tourist route. But that was just that, completely unrelated to speaking to the United, uh, in the United Nations. But how it got to that, it honestly started with a podcast, which... I hope many of your listeners will have the same type of thought. I was on a podcast. It was podcast, I think, title exactly that, Immigrant Entrepreneurship. And I was speaking to this uh, wonderful guy, Kent, and we we're basically discussing, you know, how do you succeed in business generally, but also when you come from different cultures, different countries. And from this podcast, really, apparently, as I later found out after the podcast, that United Nations actually worked with Kent on some different sort of media stuff. And Ken just suggested that I should go there. I went there, gave a speech, which I now look at. And I think that I was just such a nervous wreck when I was doing that speech. I was trying to be motivational, you know, and try to say all the important big words, which I don't know, I, I, it, it kind of almost feel weird because, you know, talking about imposter syndrome, I think almost any time something big happens in your life. And back then the United Nations was huge for me. You you feel that you don't deserve it. You feel that you're there by mistake. Somebody made a mistake. Somehow you got in 
And now you need to come up with some speech, some words and stuff like that. So it was a very interesting and weird experience, but it's, uh, it was definitely something that I'll remember till the day I die. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's very cool. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank congratulations. You. I'm glad you got to do that. Well, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Just, just given that sure. intro, I think that we've got some things to talk about. So our focus today is specifically something that you mentioned um, during your intro, which is leading remote teams, managing remote employees, and remote team building for managers. And I think this is going to be really interesting to my audience because that's, this is pretty much the way things are now. And so if we can give tips and tricks to new managers about how to do that well, how to motivate a team that you may not ever meet in person, I think that that's going to be really helpful to them. So yeah. let's dive in. And the first question I have for you is, what are the biggest problems managers face with remote teams? Sure, absolutely. So let me try and paint a picture, which I think will explain it even better. So again, in the previous company, we had a period when it was a semi-remote company. I had some people in the office, some people remote. So when I would go to the office, my day would look something like the following. I would come into the office. I'd see some people there. I'd say, hey, let's say, for example, Andrew, let's go grab a coffee. We'd go to the common area, would grab a coffee, would drink coffee. While we're doing this, we would discuss whatever's on our mind. It can be related to work, can be unrelated, but we would discuss. Then we would go back into the office. We would sit not too far from each other when some things would come up to our head, where we'll see something, uh, let's say on the media, elsewhere, we would right away discuss it. Uh, and then maybe for lunch, we can go and lunch either with the same person or somebody else would go together. So the office environment, it's throughout this whole time, it's not really just about work. You're actually forming actual connections and relationships, which is very different from sometimes remote work. Because let me give you another picture. In the last company, we had an Android developer. At a certain time, he was the only Android developer in the team. So this meant, unfortunately for him, that he would wake up, he would, he would work in another country, he would wake up, step from his bedroom to another room, sit in front of his computer, open the computer, not talking to anybody. All that he will see is just a list of tasks that he needs to do. And he would just start doing it. Then if he'd done it well, great. If not, likely, potentially, the only feedback he might get is sort of negative feedback if something that is not done. So comparing to the office experience and this experience, the person is stuck at the same place. They're not really communicating with anybody. And the whole relationship, work relationship is very transactional. You give tasks, you receive them. You give tasks, you receive them. And that's it. So this is the problem. This is the sort of two pictures that I think it's important to paint. And through that, we can see what are the actual problems. And the problems are there are absolutely no casual conversations. There is not enough recognition of the work that is done by all of those people sitting across the world. As I mentioned, three is that work feels very transaction-oriented. And last, but maybe not least, is that you are physically stuck at the same place. You don't, it's, it can be very, you know, damaging to your mind when you're just sitting at home, all you do is you're just doing the same task and all of your work is within your home boundaries. So I'd say all of those are the problems that exist, which later lead to lower engagement, 
just general unhappiness and then after all loss of productivity as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that loss of productivity and that loss of morale becomes a downward spiral and you wind up losing people and, and we get a lot of quiet quitting that way. Yeah, and I think this is the bigger problem because once the spiral goes down, what's also think about it to mention is that once you have at least one person going down, it is very likely that this person will bring somebody else with them. Mm. It can be just some comments, just the quality of work that they do. It's, you know, I was reading a book. I think it was a book. It was a book about a Roman army and stuff like that. And he was talking about the use of horses on the field. And there was a quote, something along the lines of that, your army is only as fast as the slowest member of your army. And they were talking about this as an example of how horses revolutionizes the world because all of a sudden the whole army could, you know, move really, really quickly. And I think the same goes for your team at your work. Your company, your team is only as good as the worst member of the team because for whatever reasons, if their performance starts to go down, it is very likely that one way or another, they will drag everybody down as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think a big part of a manager's job, whether you're managing an in-person team, a fully remote team, or a hybrid team, I think a big part of your job is to pay attention to your team members and you know, pay close attention to how they're doing and ask them, have genuine conversations. You know, how are you? You know, really, how are you? And maybe the most kind thing you can do as a manager is help somebody move off your team to someplace where they'll be more fulfilled. Maybe they need to be in a fully in-person environment. Maybe they need to be doing something else that your team doesn't do. But I think that that's a big part of of your job as a manager. So to be watching for that so that you don't wind up with people who you know, wind up with PTSD or something because they just were in the wrong environment, not getting the feedback they needed, not doing the work they love. hundred percent. I think Eric, you put a nail on the head because what you mentioned is that don't just ask how you feel, mean it. And I think this is so important. I think it's also, there was a quote, I think from the book by Dale Carnegie, where he said that don't just pretend to be interested in people, actually be interested in their life. And I think this is so important because Unless you're the best actor in the world, people will see through your BS. If you're asking stuff just to pretend to be nice, people will understand it. There's in normal human relationships, it's very hard to pretend to be something that you're not. And I agree 100%. It's not just about, you know, pretending that you care about people. It's actually asking about how they feel, how are they doing, actually caring and trying to help them. Yep. Yep. Sounds like we are simpatico on that point, which is nice. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's talk a little more about remote teams and talk about how you keep a remote team engaged and productive. So I think there are really, and I would actually say almost an abundance of things you can do, but I'll start with something that is not necessarily related to remote teams, but I think it's super important. And for the remote environment, it's even more important, which is You want to hire for the character because it's, to me, in my experience, all of the best people I've ever worked with, they might have joined me when they were on a sort of a junior level in terms of their skill, but because of their attitude, their passion for work, their desire to grow, they would quickly grow and outgrow anybody else. And in the remote team, I think it's also important because 
the small number of interactions that your team has with each other, you want it to be positive. And again, you don't want it to be fake positive. You want it to actually be positive. And this is where the character of the entire team plays a role. So I'd say, number one, do consider character and consider creating a positive work environment when you're hiring people. Number two, I'd say, is a thing that really works for us and this is something that we're doing right now in the current company in Telgus, is a, we're actually doing a system of buddy calls. And what they are, so we have two types of buddy calls. Number one is a buddy call when somebody just joins your team. So for example, actually, so we're speaking to you today, and then the next Monday, we'll have a new team member join. So what will happen throughout the next two weeks is that this new team member, she'll have calls, 15 to 30 minute calls, every day with different people in the team to talk about anything and everything besides work just to introduce yourself discuss life hobbies what have you just to try and understand who you're working with try to know them better and try to see if there's some common ground that you can find with some of those people so the number one type of body call is just the onboarding type of body call and then another thing that we have in the current team is that every two weeks we have a little slack bot that automatically sort of schedules random calls within the team. Again, not to talk about work whatsoever. Just talk about your life, your days, your families, your other things you like to do, stuff like that. So number two, I'd say the body calls. And then I'll maybe mention at least a few more, if you don't mind. So I'd say three, what I found to be really important is even in the remote environment, try to have at least some hours during the day where everybody work together, meaning my personal advice, and I think there are sort of different schools of thoughts on this, but to me, it is much, much easier if at least two, three hours during the day, you're all sort of together in the same work environment so that if you send somebody a message, you know they can respond right away. Throughout the other parts of the day, everybody do whatever they want, whenever they want, that's fine but at least have some part of the day when you guys can work together. But the next thing, which I also really thought that really helped us is uh, just have team events. So at least every couple of months, we try to do team events and the events that we do again, we do them remotely. So we cannot, most of the time, we cannot meet somewhere and do something fun together physically. So we come up with all sorts of online events we did from we did everything really from Pictionary to playing actual games like shooters and stuff to doing what it's called sort of the uh, like the murder mystery type of game. So we went through all types of events and they really helped. So there are really a bunch of other things as well, but I'd say those are some of the most important things. I think those can serve as a basis for creating a good relationship inside of your team when everybody works remotely. Those are fantastic pointers. I, I really liked a lot of what you said. And I'm seeing some of those things, you know, happening in, in other environments. So for example, I'm I, I subcontract to a company here in Seattle and we're all on Slack. Mm-hmm. And there's an app in Slack called Donut. Yeah, and yeah. it's the same idea, you know, where it, it randomly assigns people to get together and it's just it's just a networking and relationship building thing where it's like, hey, get together for a little time and Talk about stuff, you know, get to know somebody outside your your tiny circle. Yeah. So I see that a lot. And then I'm a part of a couple of different communities. 
And one of them has accountability groups where we get together in the morning on Mondays and Fridays and just work together. So for an hour, everybody's online and yeah. you're just working on your revenue generating activities together. Yeah. You've got somebody there to ask questions of, to chat with, but you're all focused on the same thing together as though you were in a, a meeting room working on something. So um, yeah, I like a lot of what you said there. That's good stuff. And I agree. I think this aspect of the feeling of togetherness, the feeling of belonging and the feeling that you're not just on your own, you're actually part of the team. That's the, the sometimes hottest, but at the same time, one of the most important things that you want to establish in your team especially in the remote circumstance when, you know, it's even harder to feel part of the team. Yep. And just to plug, I have done a few escape rooms and some of them I've loved and some of them I have hated. Overall, I'm not really a fan of escape rooms, but I did one virtually with an, a team and loved it, had a ball. So online escape rooms, if you get the right one, can be a great team building activity. Do you by chance I remember which one? Not no. to promote everybody else there, <laughs> but but I like honestly thinking about team events. That's something that I think a lot. The worst events, honestly, were when I tried to organize everything myself. The best ones were where we found the website. There are some websites now that even give you a host to actually host your events, stuff like that. So yeah, I've been looking. I we haven't tried specifically the escape rooms, but I've been hearing that some of them might be really good, while others are are really off track. Yeah. Good stuff. Right on. Well, again, you know, I'm seeing a theme here of building relationships, finding a way to be together. You know, if you can't physically be together, at least be together over, over Zoom or your platform of choice so that you can chat, shoot the breeze, get to know each other. And that just makes collaboration easier when it's time. And, and I would also add that it makes dealing with conflict easier because if I know you as a person, if I know Vasily and you know, we're friends or we're at least friendly yeah. and something comes up, it's easier to handle a conflict than if you're pretty much just name, rank, serial number. I think that's a hundred percent because unless you have at least some type of a personal connection with the people you work with, negative feedback can be very hard to give because oftentimes, rightly or not, they will think that it is subjective. And I think oftentimes it's sort of the default reaction. You know, when you don't have a connection, when the feedback is given, you, you do not necessarily take it well. So having that personal connection, establishing trust so that the other person know that what you're saying, it's not, you know, because you have nothing better to do. It's because you want to help them. You want to help the company. I think that's very important. Yep. I agree. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about you now and your company. So do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? So Intelligus, which can be found on a website called Intelligus.com, I-N-T-E-L-O-G-O-S.com. Uh, so it is an employee well-being, recognition, and performance management software. So it has, it solves really two problems. Number one, lack of understanding in the world of how you yourself is performing are performing and how your team is performing. Just lack of those objective data and analytics. That's the first problem it solves. And second, a lack of sometimes knowledge, but even more so time to actually understand other people and be able to give them the correct feedback. So we solve this and we have two parts to the solution. Number one, the actual analytics. 
And number two, we utilize AI, the the fanciest word out there that everybody keeps saying, we try to do it the right way, but we use AI to provide suggestions based on analytics, suggestions to employees that can help them prevent burnout. For example, if we see that a certain person has been working nonstop, didn't take any time off for a while, and then their performance just started to drop, we can just automatically suggest to the management team that, hey guys, you know, let's say Lucy here, I mean, she just seems to be struggling. She seems to be burning out. Just let's give her some time off, which at the end helps everybody. It helps the person because they can relax, recharge, helps the company because they're not going to, you know, force this person to actually look for another job because they'll be just burned out. So preventing burnout, automatically recognizing the work that we that they do. So we'll have options in our software that allows you to automatically set bonuses. Those can be cash bonuses or time off bonuses to your employees if they do an outstanding work. So they do the work and they automatically get those bonuses. And the last component is the actual performance management part, which is we tell an employee what they can do to become better. And we tell the manager what they can do to give proper feedback and to help their team grow. That sounds amazing. And and I love that piece about feedback because I talk a lot about feedback in my classes and in the, the articles that I write in my book. Mm-hmm. Feedback properly delivered is so, so important. So I'm exactly. glad that your app is is including that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100% agree. Cool. Well, Vasily, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. How can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, the easiest way is just to go to entelegos.com. Uh, that's the main website. If you want to learn about me specifically, you can also go to vasilymalashev.com. But really, entelegos.com, that's my life. That's uh, all there is to know about me at this point. So yeah, just go there and you'll see our product and can check it out. All right. Well, good deal. Entelegos.com is Vasily's website. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Watch for my book coming September 20th. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 